Well, good morning all, and uh, it's so good to have you with us wherever you are. This marks the penultimate week of the prayer course that we've been looking at for the last few weeks. I think we've been really blessed these last few months as I've reflected on it. We had the Max Lucado series of talks, and then we went on to the well-being course, and I thought that was amazing. And then, of course, on Wednesday nights, we've been looking at the challenging subjects of unanswered prayer, which is prayer course two. And, and that's been really good as well. It's been helping us to focus on some of those nitty-gritty issues. Um, but for today, and as we've been doing for Sundays up, up until now, for these last few weeks, it's the prayer course one, or the original prayer course, based on the Lord's Prayer. And today, the title is Listening. So you can see there, not an easy topic for me. I'm much more of a talker than a listener. There you go, more of that in a minute. Um, but if you haven't watched any of the videos, the prayer course videos are available freely on YouTube. Please have a look at them. They are amazing. I have to say, it's some of the best teaching I have heard for a long, long time. Pete Gregg is terrific. He really is. And the guests that they have on as well, sharing their stories, superb. So 25-minute chunks. There's eight of them in the series. Absolutely superb. I can't recommend it highly enough. Uh, there's obviously a bit of overlap with what Daryl preached about last week. Um, I'll try not to do too much audience response here because it doesn't work very well when you're streaming it and people have no idea who's saying what. But So I won't ask the question, I'll just tell you. Last week, Dara was looking at contemplation. You can't really look at contemplation without thinking about listening and you can't be thinking about listening without contemplation. So there will be some overlap. But I, what I do want to do today is to try and make this as practical as I can be. So as we go on, I'm going to be trying to give you plenty of practical things that you can take away, and some of them you might find useful, others you might think, that's not for me, but I hope there'll be something you can take away today. Final thing I think I would say by way of introduction is that I'm acutely aware of my own need in this area. I really am. Um, I'm aware of my own inadequacies, and I guess if we're all honest, we would say exactly the same. Um, I'm on a journey, and I've been distinctly challenged as I've been preparing for this the last few weeks to return to some things that, if I'm honest, I've let lapse, and to rediscover some things in my personal walk with God that I need to rediscover. So no matter how long you've been a Christian, no matter what age you are, there's always things that need adjustment in our lives, and I've been challenged by God, and I trust that he will challenge you in the way that he does, which is a loving and encouraging way to take you deeper into him. Well, I'm going to start by looking at the nature of God. If you look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning God created... And you know the rest of that verse. But by the time you get to verse 2, in other words, literally the second verse of the Bible, it starts by saying this, and God said. And every verse from then on, for quite a long way through Genesis 1, and God said, and God said, and God said, and God said. God is a God who speaks. God is a God who communicates. He wants to say things to us. And if he wants to say things to us, we do very well to listen because he doesn't say it for no reason. God wants to speak because he wants to say things that we need to hear and to respond to that. Uh, in, verse, in chapter 2, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, it says God commanded the man. So God was speaking, telling them what to do, encouraging them in, in how they should do things, as well as just speaking truth. Perhaps the most wonderful passage in the Old Testament is Exodus 33. And if we could have the first slide up, you'll see there. Uh, Moses had a tent of meeting where he would go specifically to meet with God. And it says there, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. That's an amazing verse, isn't it? Absolutely stunning. But I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, 
like me. That's Moses. <laughs> That's not me, is it? You know, why would God do that with me? That's Moses. God is a God who wants to communicate to all his people, no matter who we are, no matter what generation, what age, what era of time we've lived in. God wants to speak to us. In fact, we just sang that word, uh, that song, you were the word at the beginning. And if you look at the New Testament, in John's Gospel, the very first verse of John's Gospel, in the beginning was the word. The word was God. But what, why did God choose that word, word, to describe himself? Why not say in the beginning was the Lord? Why in, in the beginning was the king? In the beginning was the rock? In the beginning was the magnificent one? In the beginning was... He chooses, chooses to describe himself as in the beginning was the word. I am speaking to you, says God. And he speaks in the person of Jesus Christ supremely. That's why word is a capital W. Jesus was the word and is the word. He speaks primarily through Jesus. But God is a God who wants to speak words to us. He wants to say things. And we do well to listen to the God who speaks. By definition, Pete Gregg says, if God created everything, he defines normality. God is a God who speaks. And he speaks because he has things he wants to say to us. And if he has things he wants to say to us, we should listen to him. In fact, many of you will know the phrase that you've heard before, the little, little saying, that that's why God has given us two ears and one mouth, because it's much more important to listen than it is to speak. Um, I need to hear that. <laughs> but I am always one that fills space and time with stuff and communication. And in fact, um, if I have a conversation with somebody, if I'm brutally honest... I'm more interested in getting my story into the conversation than hearing somebody else's story. Is anyone else like that? No, it is just me. All right, fine. It's just me. Um, but God speaks a lot more than we realize. It should be normal to hear the voice of God. It was normal how God created it that way. It should be the most natural thing to talk to God. If only we could find how to listen. Let's have the next slide up, please, Jess. You see, there's a difference between hearing and listening. We all hear because it's accidental. Whether you like it or not, you're listening to me, you're hearing me speak. You may not be focusing on what I'm saying, you may be somewhere else in your brain, um, but you're at least hearing me, and it's involuntary, you can't do anything about it, I'm speaking, you're hearing it, um, and it's effortless for you, you don't have to do anything, it just happens. You hear traffic noise, you hear children, you hear all manner of things in everyday life. You don't have to do anything, it happens, it's a sense, we receive it. But listening is different. Listening is being focused. It's a voluntary activity, something you choose to do. It's intentional, something you plan to do. So you can hear all day long, but you won't necessarily be listening. So listening is something that's focused. It's voluntary, you choose to do it, and it's intentional. If you turn to the next slide, please, Jess, you'll see some references in the Old Testament and the New Testament about listening. In Proverbs 7, it says there, verse 24, Now then, my sons, listen to me, pay attention to what I say. It's strengthening it even more. It's not just hearing the words, it's pay attention to what I say. Son of man, he says to Ezekiel, look with your eyes, hear with your ears, and pay attention to everything I'm going to show you, for that is why you've been brought here. And in Mark's gospel, the story of the transfiguration, they're on the mountain, the three of Jesus' disciples, his closest disciples with him. And a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud, this is my son whom I love, listen to him. Now, if you know the story, you'll be aware that Peter 
when all this was happening, was thinking, oh, wow, this is amazing. Let's build something. Let's make a tent. Let's make a some, some structure here we can be with. And let's keep this going forever. Let's do, let's do, let's do. God says, no, no, no. It's not about doing. It's about being. And it's about listening to my son. I brought you here to listen to my son. So forget all the stuff. Listen to him. Now, at this point, you nearly had a piece of classical music. Um, but so that the stream doesn't get taken down by the copyright people, uh, decided not to play it. Um, but it's a piece of music called Berceuse from Gabriel Fauré's Dolly Suite. Now, most of you at the moment going, <laughs> means nothing to me. But some of you might know Gabriel Fauré's Dolly, Dolly Suite. It's a very distinctive tune. I'm not even going to hum it to you. But you can go away and look at, listen to it afterwards. But it is the theme music for a very famous radio program that ran for years and years and years. And it was... Listen with mother. And if you're now picturing the theme tune, you can imagine it, yeah? A few people nodding in the room here. And at home, I'm sure. Gabriel Forrest's Dolly Suite, it was the lovely theme music for the beginning of Listen with Mother. Now, they changed the, the title, and it still doesn't run anymore, but I think Listen with Mother became a bit politically incorrect. It, it didn't quite have the same ring to say Listen with Parent or whatever. They did change the name. I can't remember what it was. But what did they used to say at the beginning of that program? After the theme music... They would say, Barbara's got it in the front row here, are you sitting comfortably? Then I'll begin. And I believe God may want to say that to somebody this morning. Are you sitting comfortably? Then I'll begin. Because we need to be in a comfortable place where we can be disposed intentionally to listen to God. There's no point God trying to speak to you if we're rushing around, we haven't got anywhere quiet and all of that. So we need to be intentional about it and God will speak. Now, I know what some of you are saying as well. It's all right for you. You're retired. You've got all the time in the world. You can do whatever you like. It's dead easy for you. Well, I'll come on to some more of that later. But I do remember what it was like having two small children. And in fact, it's been brought home very much the last few days, as Rachel and I have been in London with our uh, two granddaughters, um, one of whom is three, the other one is not even three months yet. So it's a busy, busy time. And uh, it's relentless from, from the moment they wake up um, at five-something in the morning to the time it's the end of bath time and you think, right, that's it, my day's gone, completely gone. I didn't get time to do anything. Many of you will identify with that. It is really tough having youngsters around. There will be other circumstances in life that make it a challenge for you as well. Um, I don't mind saying that over the last couple of months it's been really tough for me. Uh, my sister, who's a couple of years younger than me, was taken into hospital. She was in hospital for a month and then she passed away. Um, and then for the month after that, I've been crazy busy just trying to deal with stuff that needed to be dealt with. And I'll be honest and say some of my routines completely went to pot during that two months. Completely went to pot. I couldn't do the things that I would have wanted to do. And you know what it's like if a routine gets broken, it's hard to get it fixed. And I'm still trying to rediscover some things that I felt I'd lost during that period. So we go through tough times. But I was prompted earlier, I just reminded about Dick Eastman's book, um, the, um, the Hour That Changes the World. And he takes an hour and splits it up into 12 lots of five minutes. There are things that can be done to spend time with God in small bite-sized chunks during the day. It can happen, and I appreciate that I'm about to get, have things thrown at me by people saying, you still don't understand. Um, <laughs> and I know it's tough. You can't simply say, well, find time. It's not as simple as that. And we had long chats with our daughter-in-law uh, these last few days about that sort of thing, about how God is working with her and what he's doing. Uh, with them as a family, as they begin to discover God in new ways in the challenging, difficult times. 
but it is so crucial that we try as best we can to create that space in the day. It may be you have to create the space in the week. You may not be able to do what you'd want to do every day, but you can somehow create space in a week or whatever it is. Now, I don't know if, like me, and like Daryl, as you said last week, I'm much more of a Martha than a Mary. Always want to be doing stuff, and if there's nothing to do, I'll find something to do. There'll always be a job to be done. There'll be a comma in the wrong place in the document. Um, in, you know, <laughs> you know it's, it's got to be checked. Someone, someone's got to do it, haven't they? Um, <laughs> so, um, exactly, Rachel says, help me. Um, but there's always stuff to do, and it's really important for all of us to find that time. We're always in a rush. We are always in a rush. Jess, can we have the cartoon up, please? I'll let you read that. Ever been there? Yeah? Okay, I have. In case anyone's ever listening to audio and not got the video, it simply says, there's a man on a phone saying, your call is important, well, the text says, your call is important to us. Please stay on the line until your call is no longer important to you. And it was Georgie that said a couple of weeks back, wasn't it, that the average time that somebody waits for a website to load was two seconds. And I remember the days of the early computers, BBC computers in school, with a little cassette-sized tape drive. You put it in, and after 30 seconds or a minute, things begin to happen on the screen. And you sit there quite happily, because that's what you did. You think, oh, it's, it's loading. Wow, this is exciting. It's going to be a computer game. And uh, you wait for ages for this thing to load. We don't do that now. Everything's got to be immediate, instant. Otherwise, we, we lose focus. We switch to something else. There's something I should be doing. Something else I can do instead. So the first thing is to make some time. We have to make time. And we have to give time. Secondly, find a quiet place and close the door. Jesus said, go into your closet, close the door. In 21st century life, closing the door doesn't stop all the distractions. You know as well as I do. You'll have things in the room that you've closed which will ring at you and beep at you and demand your attention. Um, you have to find ways of closing those things off. Even, dare I say, the window. Look out the window. Oh, look, what's that squirrel doing? Or, was that, was that really, is that Rose? Was that out yesterday? You know, it's crazy the things that will take our attention. We have to find a quiet place as well as the time to sit in his presence and be with him. Now, when I was a student, or in fact, I became a Christian when I was 12, and so in my teenage years, and when I was a student at university, it was a very important part of your life to have what was called a quiet time. Any of you in the room here still call what you have a quiet time? Yeah? Quite a few nods there. And it is really important, but for some time I've balked at that and I've actually chosen to call it devotional time. Because I thought to myself, well, it shouldn't really just be a quiet time. It should be about praise and worship and intercession and getting stuck into prayer and, you know, all those things, filling it with, with stuff. But God's been challenging me again recently to say, rediscover a quiet time, literally a quiet time. Focus more on what God wants to say than what I want to do. Just sit in his presence. But that's easier said than done because we all need to learn how to listen. And as I was preparing this, I remembered that my primary school motto was learn to listen, listen to learn. And I think that's a really powerful phrase. Learn to listen, listen to learn. And when I taught at, uh, at Kez, we had a group of staff and students who volunteered to be part of a group called The Listeners. And their role was to talk to young people, or indeed staff, 
who had things that were going on in their life, challenges they wanted to talk to somebody about outside of the formal pastoral system. They just wanted someone to talk to, to unburden themselves, to get advice, whatever it was. And those listeners had to go on training courses because you have to focus hard on being a listener. Are you like me? You have a conversation with someone and all you want to do is tell them your favourite story. Yeah? So they're talking to you. You're not really listening. It's more about me than it is about them. There is an art to listening, about focusing, about consciously stilling your heart, paying attention. Um, we had the gas engineer come on Wednesday because it was time for our, our boiler to be replaced. We booked it three months ago and uh, we chose one of the hottest days of the year for him to come and then turn the central heating up to 32 degrees on Wednesday. It's absolutely sweltering. Uh, we had to test it all out. But, you know, he came and he introduced himself. In fact, he, he rang me a few minutes before he arrived to say, hello, this is... Da -da -da. I'm, I'm just coming to do your central heating or do your boiler. I greeted him. Within five minutes, I'd forgotten his name. Anybody else like that? Have you ever said to somebody at church here, oh, hello, you knew, haven't seen you before, is it your first time here? Yeah, and you say hello, and then you talk to someone afterwards. Oh, did you meet the new people? Yeah, what, what was the name? Can't remember. Rubbish. <laughs> well, I am anyway. Anybody else? There's a few nods. Now, everyone else is looking smug, thinking, no, no, we're fine. We, we know everything. We, we, we don't do that. Um, something you might find helpful to focus the mind is something called Lectio Divina. Now, you've probably heard it mentioned before, and it's not a new thing. It's been going around for hundreds of years about a way of focusing the mind on God's word, reflecting, re-reflecting, if you like, hearing it, putting some space and time in, hearing it again. And I know some people in church are already using an app which is called Lectio 365. And you can easily find it. So it's L-E-C-T-I-O 365. And it's brilliant. There's morning and evening um, devotions where you can sit and listen. You can play the whole thing and it will uh, allow you to focus your mind and your attention on God, to still your heart, to still your mind and say, God, what are you wanting to say to me through this? I have a favourite hymn, and if we turn to the next slide, please, Jess. Many of you will know the hymn. It's Dear Lord and Father of Mankind. It runs to six verses, but these are the last three verses. And I love this. It helps me to focus my mind. With that deep hush, subduing all our words and works that drown the tender whisper of your call, as noiseless let your blessing fall as fell your manner down. Drop your still dews of quietness till all our striving cease. Take from our souls a strain and stress and let our ordered lives confess the beauty of your peace. Breathe through the heats of our desire, thy coolness and thy balm. <laughs> you can tell I've got <laughs> your coolness and your balm. Breathe through the heats of our desire, your coolness and your balm. Let sense be dumb, let flesh retire, Speak through the earthquake, wind and fire, O still, small voice of calm. God wants to speak to us in a still, small voice. And you'll know the reference to that, I'm sure, most of you. It's Elijah. He had an earthquake. There was signs and noise and wonders and flashing and all sorts of stuff. But God said to him, I'm not in any of those things. I'm in the still, small voice. I appreciate that. I might be making some of you nod off at this stage as I speak in a quiet, still, small voice. Try and keep with me if you possibly can. But it is so important to have that still, small voice, to hear the voice of God. So, big question. How does God speak? And how do we know that it is God? 
And I know it's a question that will trouble and challenge many of us. And if you're like me, you'll think to yourself, well, these people at the front that speak or that I hear in meetings, they say, well, God said to me this, or, or the Lord said the other day, and I, I never hear God speak. I never, never heard of an audible voice. There's something wrong with me, perhaps. Or you maybe feel, I'm just not hearing God. Maybe God's not interested in me. But does God always speak through an audible voice? The answer is clearly no. But he does sometimes. You will know the story, I'm sure, of Samuel. The boy Samuel was taken to the temple to sit under the tutelage of Eli. And one night, Samuel's asleep, and he hears a voice. So he gets up and runs to Eli and says, you called me. Eli says, no, I didn't go back to bed. And the same thing happens again. Samuel hears a voice. He thinks it's Eli, and he goes to him again. And it's only after the third time that Eli realizes this must be God. This must be God speaking to him. And Samuel clearly heard a voice that sounded like a human voice. Otherwise, he would not have thought it was Eli. So yes, God can speak in a voice that sounds like a human voice. For me, it's only happened twice, I think. Only once that I can remember. And I'll tell you about it because I was a student at university. I was in a prayer meeting. And I heard these words that I still remember 40 years later over 40 years later. God said to me these words, if you keep on doubting, how do you expect me to do anything in your life? That was something I really needed to hear. At that particular time in my life, I'd become a Christian uh, 15, 20 times, which of course you can't do for the, for the interests of those who, <laughs> you can't do that, but that's what I was feeling. You can't become a Christian more than once, you become a Christian. But I was doubting, did I do it? Did I say the words right? Did I really mean it? You know, am I, am I a Christian? Am I saved? I needed to hear those words, and God spoke those to me in such a way that when I heard those words going round in my head, because nobody else heard them, I turned around to see who'd spoken, and there's nobody there. God had clearly put words in my head that to me sounded like a human voice. But that's the only time that's happened to me that I can remember. Maybe one other time. Other people I've spoken to, and I've spoken to lots of folk, I've spoken deliberately to many folk from the church here, over the last few weeks, to say, how does God speak to you? How do you sense what God is saying? As well as reading what other people say. And very, very rarely does God speak in an audible human voice. It's unusual. So how does God speak? One thing that God tends to do with a lot of people is to give them a mental picture. You may suddenly find that something comes to mind, an image, it may even turn into a bit of a, a story that goes on. You know, you see a picture and it's almost like a little mini film thing that goes on. You see something unfolding in your mind's eye. And you think, where did that come from? No particular reason why it came to mind. Well, that strong mental picture may well be something from God. It might be a blessing and encouragement to you or whatever. And we'll come to later on about what it might mean for other people as well. It could be a dream or a vision. It could be something that happens when you're asleep. You wake up and you think, God's spoken to me. That's perhaps more rare than the clear mental pictures that people get. Now, for me and many people, God speaks more through words. What I often find happening is I'll get a line of scripture that will just suddenly come up. Or a line from a song, not even necessarily a Christian song, will come up in my mind. And I think, where did that come from? But it begins to assume a significance. You begin to think, that's interesting. Something inside goes, ding. Why has that suddenly come to mind? It may be a verse I've read a thousand times, and all of a sudden, one little phrase comes out of it. And you think, that's interesting. Why am I 
focused on that. Why is that getting my attention now? And it never has before. Um, if I'm leading worship, it'll very often be, yes, worshipping, but also focusing on the process of leading worship. And so sometimes, to be honest, you can sing words and you're not totally engaging the whole time. Now, I know that's an awful confession to make, but that's just the way it is. You'll sometimes sing things and you won't engage the words, but then suddenly singing a song, even leading worship, and something just hits you. You think, those words, something about those words, that little phrase, today, I need to do something about that. God's speaking to me and maybe speaking to other people through that. So listen out for the words. Um, it could be just a spontaneous thought that comes from nowhere. It might be a sense of peace that comes over you. That's not a particular word, but you may sense God calming a situation that you've been going through. And it's God speaking to you his peace. So he can do it through mental pictures, through words. He can do it through all of these things. I was chatting again with our daughter-in-law, Lizzie, uh, the last few days, just sounding around about some of these things as well, saying, you know, how are these things for you? She said one thing that I thought was very relevant to pass on today, which was this. She said, don't be afraid to ask God questions. Don't be afraid to ask God questions. And if you do, as a loving father, he will answer your questions. So don't be afraid in your times with him to ask God questions. And you will learn to hear the voice of God. The next slide has a couple of verses from Mark's gospel, from John's gospel, sorry, that you will know very well. Jesus is using the analogy of a shepherd. And he says in John 10, verses 4 to 5, when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. My sheep listen to my voice, he says in chapter 10, verse 27. I know them, and they follow me. Now, I know there's plenty of people here with young children, and they recognize mother's voice. They recognize the father's voice. They will know that voice more than any other voice. Are you amazed like me when you see pictures of like tens of thousands of penguins in the South Pole on Antarctica? And let's say it's the mothers that go off and go fishing for a couple of weeks and come back. And in the midst of this ridiculous mess of literally tens of thousands of penguins, an individual penguin knows its mother's voice. I find that stunning and staggering. And I guess like you, if you're, you're like me, probably are amazed at some of these things we see in the natural world. Well, hey, if that's the natural world, how much more God will make his voice heard to us. And we will hear it distinctively like other people don't hear that same voice. You're not the same as anybody else. God will speak to you differently from how he speaks to me, but you will get to know his voice by spending time in his presence. And that is the most crucial thing. I'd like to look at a quote from Pete Gregg. I have to say I am so impressed with Pete Gregg. I have really been touched by what he's been sharing in these videos on YouTube. He says this, and I think it's crucial. The Bible is our primary source of revelation and the ultimate authority by which we must weigh all other words. As the Apostle Paul says in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, and training in righteousness. Pete Gray goes on to say, we verify prophecies, dreams, visions, angelic visitations, premonitions, audible voices, supernatural hunches and all manner of ephemeral inklings against the absolute truths of Scripture. If they don't measure up, they don't get in the door. Simple as that. 
Now, God may want to speak to you stuff that's not in Scripture, because what he spoke to me in that audible voice was not in Scripture, not specifically those words, but it ties up with Scripture. It's consistent with Scripture, but God may want to speak to you things, and we have to judge anything that we believe may be God speaking to us against the background of Scripture. I love those phrases there, the two towards the end there, supernatural hunches and ephemeral inklings. They are great phrases because sometimes you just don't know what to call it. You just get a sense that I know that I feel God's saying something to me. And that's the word we use, saying something to me. But he's not speaking it as such. But you get a sense that God is wanting to communicate something to you. And it's hard to put words around it. But that is God speaking to you. Listen to what God is saying. There's another phrase, uh, quote from Pete Gregg I'd like to read now, which is the next slide, please. And it says this, most people today miss the voice of God, not because it's too strange, but because it's too familiar. They expect the Almighty to sound dramatic, bombastic, unmistakable, and a bit spooky. I love that phrase. But the gentle whisper of God sometimes comes to me, he says, as an idea or a mental impression during a time of quiet prayer. But more often it comes afterwards during a subsequent time of distraction. Now, I find this fascinating, and I really resonate with this. It says, once you've asked the Lord to speak to you about a particular thing, it's often a good idea to stop trying too hard to hear him and to occupy yourself instead with a kind of activity that engages you enough to be absorbing, but not too much, so that your mind has a little space to wander. Do you ever find that with just normal everyday things? That you'll think about something, you'll give it your attention, and then later in the day, something suddenly pops into mind. And somehow in our subconscious brain, God is working away and suddenly something will come to mind. You think, ah, okay, it's beginning to make sense now. And that sense of what he calls there, engaging something enough to be absorbing and not too much, so you allow your mind to wander. God's created us amazingly and he will do those things. He will be able to speak to us in those situations. Let's have the next slide, please, Jess. Now, this series is all about the Lord's Prayer, as you know. And in particular, there's the phrase you see there from Matthew 6, give us today our daily bread. And as I'm sure you know, this is much more than just food. In fact, supremely, it's not about food. It's about whatever we need from God to see us through the day. And in Matthew 4, Jesus answered, it's written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's what keeps us going. Notice it's daily bread, bread for the day. And you'll know the story from the Old Testament about the manna in the wilderness, how God provided it, they collected it in the morning. If they tried to use it the next morning, it's gone rotten. It wasn't fit for purpose. Now, I don't want to stretch the analogies too far here um, because, of course, one day in the week, it did last for two days. And God, I believe that maybe there's a sense in which God says, you know what, sometimes I'll make it last two days if I need to, but the... Essential messages every day get bread for that day. Now, over the years, I've been used to hearing people say, are you a morning person or are you an evening person? Some of you spend time with God in the morning, some in the evening. And I must be really stupid because get up in the morning, think, I'll have my quiet. No, I actually won't have my time with God this morning. I'll, I'll do it later. I'll, I'll do this and the other. And you know as well as I do what happens. And it's happened that many hundreds of times to me that I really should have learned by now, that the day goes on and the day slips away and you get to the evening and you think, oh, I haven't spent my time with God today. 
how did I not do that? And you sit in your comfy armchair at 11 o'clock at night thinking, I'll just spend some time with God. And I know because it's a focus on listening, I'll listen to God rather than pray. And the next thing you know, it's four in the morning and you're falling asleep. You've got a stiff neck and your glasses are burrowed into your nose somehow. And you think, is there any point going to bed? And I must be stupid because it happens too much. And God has really been challenging me to say, start your days with me. And maybe for you, this is a message that you might need to hear. I needed to hear it, and it's been a challenge to me. There's so much in Scripture about getting up early, starting the day. And it's daily bread because it's bread for that day. It's not bread for tomorrow. It's bread for today. It might be for you. It might be to share. But it's bread for today. And God wants us to do that. There's a, a lovely song which I, I really loved when I first heard it, probably well, 15 years ago probably. It's from a band called New Song. And they did a song which is called Before the Day. And I was really taken by the introduction to the song as they spoke about why they'd written this particular song. And it talks about before the day slips away, I just want to stop and say I love you. Before the world rushes in again, I just want to stop and say there's none above you. And in the introduction, they use this lovely little phrase you're going to see on here now, which is going steady with Eddie. <laughs> Eddie, early, daily, diligently, yielding. And that's really powerful, I think. Start the day with Jesus. Say, Lord, what have you got to me for me today for my daily bread? You know my day that's ahead. You know the people I'm going to meet today. What have you got for me? What have you got for them? Early in the morning, let's get up and say, God, before anything else happens, speak to me about today. I want to hear your voice. What do I need from you? Give me my daily bread for today. So for me, that's been a challenge. And I know some of you will be thinking, I can't make that work. But make it work for you as best you possibly can. But I just share that stirring that's been in my heart for God to say to me, rediscover mornings. Before the world rushes in again, have your daily bread from me. Sometimes that bread is for sharing. And one thing I would say in this respect is, if you get an inkling, somebody comes to mind, as Daryl's been reminding us week in, week out over these last months, somebody comes to mind, give them a call. How do you not know? How do you know whether that might be something from God to say, give so-and-so a bit of encouragement. Just phone them up. Ask them how they are. Please do that, folks. That may be God speaking to you as the, that person comes to mind. Don't just think, oh, somebody else will do it. And as you speak to them, you may well even find that something prophetic begins to come. We had a guy called David Shearman come and speak to us a few years ago, to the leaders. And he was saying that out of encouragement can come the prophetic. So ring somebody, encourage them. Bless them for what they're doing. Just say thank you for all you're doing here. And, da, da, da. and you may find as the conversation goes on, you just feel prompted to say something to them which has more of a prophetic edge. It's the voice of God to them. So that daily bread might be for you, but it also may be for sharing. I don't have time to go into all the, the things we might say about the church meetings, but just briefly to say that at the 9 o'clock service this morning, it didn't happen at the 11, but at the 9 o'clock service, as the worship went on, somebody read out a passage of scripture. Somebody else began to sing a song from the congregation. And that may be such an encouragement to other people. It's God speaking through to you in the first instance and through you to bring encouragement to them. If you get something directional in a meeting, it's always a good idea to run it past one of the leaders, but just extol God, exalt him, bring something to a meeting, and you never know that the bread that you are using will be for somebody else's blessing. 
Now, some final practical points. Uh, if you're here in the building, you have got a sheet in front of you, or next to you there, which is all about um, journaling. Now, if you're at home, you will get this sent to you. You'll also get the one sent to you, everybody, about the Lectio Divina. But journaling is really important, however you choose to do it. It's about saying, I'm going to engage in the process of listening to God. Now, I used to be a teacher, as, as you know, and um, it certainly was never the case that we would allow students to come in at the beginning of year seven and say, okay, no exercise books now. For the next five years, you're just going to come into the lessons and sit there and listen. And if you imagine just coming in like this, and that's all you do, you just listen. And you do that for five years in all your subjects. You will not do very well in your GCSE exams. Because the process of making notes and writing things down that you hear is really important. So journaling might be something for you. Just writing down the things that are coming out of the personal time you spend with God. I do it in a meeting all the time. In fact, Rachel and I are very different. I do electronic devices. So you'll often see me on my phone or iPad. And if something comes to mind in a meeting, it might be something I nothing to do with church. I actually just jot it down on my phone so that I can then clock that I've made a note of it and it doesn't distract me anymore in the meeting. But more often it's during a preach, I will actively always have my Bible with me uh, or my iPad or my phone. I'll make notes as we go through of the key things that I think God is saying to me. And if you were to do the same, yours would look different from mine. But too often we just let everything wash over us and we don't engage in the process of listening. And it's so important to write things down and to engage somehow in the process of hearing what God says. It earths it. It makes you focus on the process and say, what's important here? What's this person saying? What do I sense God is saying? Try to encapsulate it somehow. As I say, Rachel does it all in a, in a journal, in a book, everything written down. And we're all different. For example, if I gave you a choice of a sheet of paper, would you go for a plain piece of paper or a lined piece of paper? Or would you go for a piece of paper that's got squares all over it? I go for the squares every time. That's me, organized, everything's got to be neat, tidy, in order. Some of you are the opposite extreme, crazy people, that like a blank piece of paper and like to scribble all over it. And it makes, Lois is nodding. And <laughs> makes a complete mess, or so it would seem. But Jess, if you could have the next uh, image up, please. There's a very stylized and nice, neat and organized mind map. Those that have been through education the last few years will recognize these things. Put an idea in the center of the page. That idea, whether it be peace, grace, love, whatever it might be, will make you think of other things that will kind of connect into it. And then those connections will have yet more connections. And if you look at the next slide, you'll see a crazy one. <laughs> so someone's put in the middle there, prayer. I'm not expecting you to read this, by the way, but the little yellow blob in the middle says prayer. And there's lots of lines coming off it with thought processes. As, what does that say to me? How, what does that link into? You might be brilliant at mind maps. You might find that sort of thing really useful so that as you sit and journal with God, you just... Jot your thoughts down in that sort of way. You might just randomly do it. You might be like me, like lists, you know, 14-point font for this bit, bold. Now we go down to 12-point, not bold. And so it goes, you might be like that. We're all different. But allow God to speak to you and to jot down what you sense he might be saying and keep it. It's so important. It really is. That's why those of you in the building have got three pages on your handout. The third one is deliberately blank. And I would love for you to take it away and this week, even if you only do it for this week, but you might find it captures you, 
just say, in your presence, God, I'm sitting here with a piece of paper and a pen. What do you want to say to me? And let him speak and see what God will say. Always have your Bible with you. Keep that ready to hand. And always have something you can write with. Keep that with you as well. I'm just going to conclude with six verses of a lovely old hymn as a closing prayer. Allow you to reflect for a minute while I do. These are the words. Speak, Lord, in the stillness. While I wait on thee, hushed my heart to listen in expectancy. Speak, O blessed Master, in this quiet hour. Let me see thy face, Lord. Feel thy touch of power. For the words thou speakest, they are life indeed. Living bread from heaven, now my spirit feed. All to thee is yielded. I am not my own. Blissful, glad surrender. I am thine alone. Speak, thy servant heareth. Be not silent, Lord. Waits my soul upon thee for the quickening word. Fill me with the knowledge of thy glorious will. All thine own good pleasure in thy child fulfill. Amen. I trust that some of that will be of use to you. Um, the prayer journal handout, this, the journaling handle, handout, I think is excellent. And if there's anything else I've said, I hope that will be a blessing to you. But however you choose to do it, whenever, however, let's consciously make time to listen to God. And be blessed by doing so.